daydreaming about dragons. This week's technique prompt is not something maybe tangible you can do right away at the table. It's not something you can say to each other. Uh, it's more of an idea of, you know, thinking about tattoos and adventurers getting them for, you know, how cool is it to have an adventurer with the green devil face of the Tomb of Horrors tattooed on their chest? I just think that's cool. It's a cool image. But then when you poke at it a little bit and you prod at it, what do you come with? You, you come with a way for players to celebrate the cool shit and the dangerous situations that they've survived and a way to mark their character. Uh, you know, we, we love ways to mark the character sheet, right? We get experience points, we get cool new powers, we get some new skills, we get new beliefs. Well, whatever game you're playing, you can put new things on the character sheets, and that's great. Uh, but is there a way to actually mark the fictional space, to mark this character, not just with scars and, and what, you know, whatever else gets inflicted upon them, but something of a celebration, of what they've done, you know, could it be, could it be trophies? Could it be, I don't know what it is, but I like the, I like that idea of, of having a tangible way to celebrate adventure that we can turn that adventure into some kind of, I don't know, whenever the word art gets brought up in RPGs, it always becomes a mess, but celebrate it in some kind of artistic way so that the character changes and things become, you know, and, and, and this thing that started off as, you know, a bright eyed villager leaving the village, leaving the, their village to go for an adventure for the first time becomes someone very different. Uh, and that, that idea, I think tattoos are just a great way to encapsulate that, but I don't think it's the only way. Uh, I'm just not sure exactly what the other ways might be. In our in our Burning Wheel games, Sean does this cool thing where he keeps the beliefs of the character uh, on a part of the sheet and says whether those beliefs were achieved or whether they had just had to be changed or what it was. And it's a great way to look over the campaign because I can look at those beliefs and I can see where the character has been. I can see the beliefs that were goals that they absolutely achieved and the beliefs that were goals that they just decided weren't worth it anymore or that they gave up on or that they realized wasn't the right thing to do or that they had to shift and change because the circumstances and the context shifted and changed. And, and that's, that's one aspect of it, right? That is one way that that we can kind of mark these things, these, these wild adventures we go on. Uh, I think trophies are one way to do it. And of course, you, know, you can't say the word trophy for the, with me without thinking about trophy gold. Uh, the, the treasures you get. And I see that in my trophy gold game too, where players don't want to sell certain things because they just think they're cool, even though they're really expensive. And they'll, they'll take, they'll say, you know what, this comes out of my cut. I'm not, I'm, I'm keeping a spear. This spear is cool. And it becomes part of them. It becomes part of their character. So things can be part of it. But I don't know. There's something about the almost, I mean, 
tattoos are a good example, but it's almost a good metaphor, right? Because it, it's such a good way to show that someone's skin has changed. Uh, tattoos, kind of ritual scarring, all of that. It, it's such a visceral way to change someone, to actually change their flesh. And something about that makes me think about these characters that we play and how they do change. And, and hopefully, if the adventures are cool enough, right, they surprise us and they become something totally different. And, and that's where the tattoo idea came from. Not because I think every game should have tattoos. And a major shout out to uh, the game Beast Hunters, uh, which is kind of where I, I, was, I, I, wrote, I wrote that out. I was like, man, I got this idea from somewhere and I can't think of where. And then I kept writing about it and took down some notes and finally had to go and find it. And, and yeah, Beast Hunters is totally where I got it. You should totally check it out. Uh, it is on, the PDF is on sale at, at, at Indie Press Revolution, uh, IPR. I'll have a link to it in the show notes uh, by the Giffins. And, yeah, check it. Uh, it's good stuff. I played it way back in the day, and it's an excellent game. But that's what I'm daydreaming about today, is how characters change and how we can mark that change at the table, on the character sheet, how we can just, I don't know. I don't know exactly what I'm looking for. And I think that's why this intrigues me so much, uh, because I feel like I'm onto something and I'm not sure what. Uh, I know I want a way for players through their characters to celebrate the chaos that they survive. Uh, and maybe that's me living through a chaotic time and wanting a way to show that we've lived through it. Am I, am I telling you all that I want a tattoo? That is not what I'm saying. If my mom is listening, mom, it's okay, don't have a heart attack. I have no plans on getting a tattoo. Uh, but I don't know. I, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Uh, what, in what ways do you mark your characters? In what ways do you celebrate what they've done? You know, I feel like some of the ways we do it in like noble titles. Sometimes, uh, sometimes we you know we start organizations in game, um, create spells. You know, there, there are things that we make, and we, but I don't know. Yeah, let me know. Let me know how you do it, what's going on at your table. How do, how do your characters mark their adventures? How do they celebrate them? Uh, that's what's on my mind, and I'd like to hear how it's on yours. Sounds good. Let's get to the inspiration goat. Darmok, fifth season. Uh, episode two of the fifth season of Star Trek Next Generation was called Darmok, and it's probably in my top ten Star Trek episodes ever. Uh, I don't know exactly where what would be in there. You know, I don't. I, I would have trouble populate. Wouldn't have too much trouble populating it. I could figure it out, but you know, it's in there. And I was listening then. Uh, Jonaki prompted me to listen to uh, the Star Star Trek the Pod Directive 
uh, they have an episode, and I'll have a link to this in the show notes, with, with Riza Aslan and a religious scholar and writer. And they talked about Dharmak all over again. And it reminded me of a really interesting personal story where years ago, 20 years ago in Ithaca, uh, I, w- I had a new roommate. Uh, we just kind of got thrown together. And it's one of those things. Didn't know each other very well. Friends of friends of friends. Got thrown into a, a house together. And I was showing him around town over a couple of days. And we kept running into people I knew, right? And at that point, I'd probably been in Ithaca almost a decade. So I knew a lot of people. And I knew a lot of people through gaming. So we'd run into people, and he would say, how do you know them? And I would say, oh, through gaming. And it just happened over and over and over again. Because I knew a lot of people through gaming. I had been gaming here for a long time. And my roommate was a... a very observant Jew, and I am a very inobservant Jew. So it was there was an interesting kind of almost friction there, right? And something he said to me as he was showing him around is he said, I think he noted that uh, I was not very involved in the in the Jewish community. Um, and I don't think he said anything out loud, but it was noted, right? And after the skatey eighth person we met, and I said, he said, how do you know them? And I said, oh, through gaming. He said, it's an interesting community you've gathered around yourself here. And 20 years later, and I'm still thinking about that. Uh, I still think about the fact that I'm not religious, and I did not find a sense of community in the Jewish community, but I did through gaming. And that fascinates me. Um, and then when you get into Dharmuk and you get into uh, Reza Aslan's beautiful definition of religion, which I will read right now, uh, an institutionalized system of symbols and metaphors that provide a common language for a community of faith to communicate with each other and with themselves the ineffable experience of being. Woof, that's beautiful. It's just beautiful. I'm I'm practically tearing up. And I'm not saying gaming is religion, but I'm saying that the in the in the episode, in the Star Trek Next Generation episode, Picard and this alien captain who he's having trouble communicating with because of the way that they communicate through myth and and context, uh, they end up isolated on a planet. And I think they're isolated on the planet because that captain knew they had to share an experience in order to gain context and really understand each other, right? And gaming does that. It does that so beautifully, right? And I I just want to, it just makes me want to talk about gaming as he does uh, you know, Shaka when the walls fell, right? Drav and Maya in Duskval. Talara when the trolls attacked. Aram when the doppelganger unmasked. Stat in pain. Nurse Philippe with his arms open wide. Brother Oren when the wraith attacked. All those things. It's just, it's context, right? If you've been following games I've been in, if you've watched streams, then you might know what some of those things mean. Or if you've been game- one of the people who's been gaming with me, you might know what those things mean. If you haven't, those things might be use- like almost useless. You know, you pick out bits and pieces, but you don't really understand the context of it. 
And I think that's what the captain of, you know, in, in Darmok understood is you have to have these shared experiences and gaming gives us that in a really cool way. We get to share these weird fictional bits and pieces and myth and through doing that, we create community. And I love that. Uh, I love that my roommate at the time noticed and, and was smart enough to kind of comment on it. Even if it might have had a little bit of snark, maybe a little disapproval, maybe not. Maybe that's just me not being a generous listener. Uh, but I, I think it's a really interesting thing to think about. Not gaming as religion, right? I don't want to start a church. I'm not looking to start a flock. Uh, I, I just think the community building nature of it and, and why it makes friends so quickly is, is fascinating, right? Because there are only two things I've, see, I've experienced in my life that, that create that kind of community. Um, and it's either sharing myth or sharing pain and discomfort, you know, and the pain and discomfort I've seen in workout groups, in jujitsu clubs, uh, you know, you, you, you share enough sweat and blood with people and, and there's some kind of community built there. But gaming does that too, right? And, and through uh, kind of almost a manufactured, almost fictional adver- adversity. And then, you know, the myth and the symbols and all of that pile on. Uh, so I wanted to talk about Darmok, not only to talk about how cool it was and what, how cool it was to think about language and language in our games and, and how that creates a, a, a context for the fictional world, but uh, how Darmok could almost be about gaming, right? Uh, it's, it's almost about, hey, we need to have context in order to really understand each other. We need to sit down and share something. And I think I just think that's one of the reasons I love gaming so much. Uh, because it creates that. We get to create that together. And that's amazing. Uh, and I would like to go back to that definition of religion that is so beautiful that Reza Aslan put, an institutionalized system of symbols and metaphors that provide a common language for community of faith to communicate with each other and themselves the ineffable experience of being. Um, in, in, in their sci-fi Stars of That Number game, uh, I don't... Sometimes I have you know a big religious faction, but very often I have almost like an anarchistic old earth religion and it's uh, a bunch of traveling kind of religious people who just have a very deep and good understanding of the religions of earth and can talk to you about them right and link you up to communities on the space station where you are right because they understand in a very scientific way that when people are living in this deep space void, they need religion, uh, not because they need you know belief structures, but because they need a sense of community. They need in, in this very inhospitable you know climate, 
of space stations and 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 barely livable planets. Uh, you need to connect in a very visceral way to that which makes you human. And so that's what the priests would do, right? They would make sure that you could go eat dinner with a family. They would make sure that you know that when you're out in space and you're dealing with trials, you are not the first person to do that. You're not alone in that experience, even though you might feel alone and isolated. And that is what I think religion could offer if it was dealt with in a very scientific way, very sociological way of, hey, we know why we're here. It's not to gain power. It's not to take money. It's to connect you to old earth. It's to connect you directly to something that makes you feel human, be it a myth or a meal or a dance or a song or a story or a shared moment or, a you know, whatever it is. It's to connect you with other people so you can feel human for a bit before getting into some weird spacecraft and, and zooming out on a, on a, you know, on a star drive out into space. So that's what I think. That's a, just one of the other ideas bouncing around in my head as I, as I digest Dharmak and... And I think a little harder about religion and community and gaming and Reza Aslan's, you know, smart definitions. Good stuff. Love it. Inspiration Goat, as always, you are the goat. Thank you for bleeding this at me. I appreciate it. Uh, If you have any thoughts on any of this, uh, drop me a line or drop Inspiration Goat a line. Uh, Inspiration Goat now has their own Twitter account, Inspiration at Inspiration Goat, all one word. Pretty cool. And I'll have more on how to get in touch with us in the in the outro in a minute. So thank you for hanging on. Uh, and in and if you do get in touch with us, let me know. Uh, let me know how gaming creates a, a sense of community for you. Let me know how it's done that during this very difficult bunch of months we've had. Uh, I would love to hear about that. I'd love to hear about science fiction religions in your games. What do they look like? How are they different? I would love to hear about language in games and and that shared context. Do you have any funny stories about about how that shared context, context allowed you to communicate with people? Right? I think the other lesson to take from my science fiction religions, just to backtrack for a second... Uh, is that sometimes when you're creating a, you know, a fantasy religion or a science fiction religion, rather than go with your worst experience, go with, hey, what if this was really cool? What if this was the religion I always wanted? That can be a fun place to start. I feel like a lot of times when we make things, we start with a negative thing or we start with a very dramatic thing, Right? I think that's why a lot of you know space religions end up looking like Catholicism, because man, Catholicism is dramatic. It sure is. They they they've got their staging right down. Those cathedrals are are something else. But instead of going with that, instead of going with you know scheming cardinals, uh, and and you know, in in cathedrals. 
you know, maybe think about what, 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 what role could religion play if it was perfect and kind of build from there. So that's what I'm thinking about. Let me know how religion has played up a part in your fantasy games, in your science fiction games. I would love to hear about it. And let's get to the outro. Thank you so much for listening to Daydreaming About Dragons. If you would like to contribute to the show's well-being, there are a number of ways to do that. You can go to iTunes and you can give us a five-star rating. Let people give a little review. Let people know what they're getting into when they, when they click on the link. That is super helpful. Not going to lie. You can also send an email or a tweet. Uh, if we're going to email, it's judd.karlman at gmail.com. I've gotten some really wonderful emails lately, and I'll be, I'll be sharing some of those with you. Uh, and let me know how any of, this, any of the things I'm talking about are, 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 in, are playing into your gaming, and I, I'd love to hear about it. I'd love to hear what, what's going on at your table. Uh, if something resonates... Share it. Let me know. Let me know what, what your angle is. I want this to be a conversation and not just a pulpit. And the other way to contribute is to make the world a little bit more of a better place, a little bit more of a just place. I will have some uh, wonderful organizations uh, that you can, charitable organizations that you can give to. So if you feel like you need to drop money on because you've gotten value out of this, then please drop some money in those directions. And I appreciate it. And thank you for turning my geekery into something that makes the world better. It's just really, really wonderful. And it was a nice rainy autumn day. I felt like it was the first proper real autumn day today. Uh, the leaves are changing. It was raining. There was a, it was a bit of a drought. So we really needed our rain up here where I am. And I hope... Your day is filled with friendship and cider, and I'll talk to you soon. See you next week. Daydreaming about dragons, and I wanted to...